Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, and you're listening to Women at Warp. Hi, and welcome to a special supplemental episode of Women at Warp. I'm Sue, and I'm here to bring you a live conversation from the Mission New York convention floor. Unfortunately, none of our crew could attend Mission New York last month, but our good friend Will Wynn of TrekNews.net graciously volunteered to be our eyes and ears on the ground during the con. Our roving reporter rounded up three of our past and likely future guests, Angelique Rocher of Black Girl Nerds, Annika Dane of Pixie Recaps Voyager, and Amy Imhoff of Shoes and Starships for a great chat. They talk about everything from the state of Star Trek and fandom in general to the panels at Mission New York specifically, and we are thrilled to be able to share this with you. Hello, everyone. I'm Will Wynn, and we're reporting live from Star Trek Mission New York. We're doing a live interview with Women at Warp, and we're, we're interviewing some really fabulous women, fabulous people, fabulous panelists who have already given panels, will be giving panels today, uh, and also giving panels all throughout the weekend. So, like I said, I'm Will Wynn, and I'm going to introduce um, our panelists that I'm going to interview um, right now. Awesome. I am Angelique Rocher from Black Girl Nerds. I'm Annika Dane from Pixie Recaps Voyager. And I'm Amy Imhoff from Shoes and Starships. Thanks, everyone, for uh, that quick introduction. So I'm just going to jump right into the questions as to what brought you into Star Trek fandom and what made you, I think, what led you to the road to being on a panel at a Star Trek convention? All right. Um, it's actually a funny story because the first time I engaged with Star Trek was um, actually a live-action version. My father was a theater professor at Wesleyan University, and um, one of his students did, for their senior thesis, a, they directed Balance of Terror as a live show. <laughs> and I was maybe seven, eight years old, and I saw that and thought it was amazing. Um, and so then I went to find the television series <laughs> and uh, and get really into it. And you know, I, I watched the original series late at night, and then when Next Generation came out, I was super excited. Um, and I just watched all Star Trek at all times. Um, Voyager's my favorite, but I really love all of them. So I got into Star Trek also around the age of seven. Um, I think my dad was just flipping through the channels like like you do after work, and uh, before you had Netflix to pick your show, just flipping around. And um, so if I was seven, that would mean it would be 1990, and Yesterday's Enterprise was on. So I watched all of Yesterday's Enterprise, and I really liked it. And you know, my dad wasn't a Trekkie one way or the other, but you know, he said this is something she can watch. It's not like, you know, it's family friendly, and. He said, you want to watch it again? And I said, yes. And then I said, Daddy, is the blonde lady dead? And he was like, I mean, he knew what happened, but I obviously didn't because Tashiar, you know, with the whole ti- alternate timeline is a lot for a seven-year-old to grasp. But um, I, then I, he said, well, let's find out if we watch again. <laughs> so it was like a good good, a good uh, introduction since that's such a g- well-known, great episode. And then I've just been a huge fan. You know, I became a way bigger fan, I think, than my parents realized I would be. And, you know, I was all through high school and grade school and Voyager was on and Kate Mulgrew came on screen and that was just it. She was my favorite. (laughs) Yes, sassy lady running running a starship and it was great. Um, And then after college, I started going a little, did a couple little conventions in college and then 
what led me to start doing panels was I went out to Las Vegas and I saw a panel with Ashley Eckstein and Mary Serwinski and one or two other lady geeks on it and I said I could totally do that I could talk about Star Trek so we interviewed Ashley and we interviewed Mary for this little blog we we ran as a, as a friend group it's no longer in operation um, I decided to branch out on my own and start Susan's Our Ships because um, not only am I a lady geek but I also love stuff like travel and photography and fashion and shoes <laughs> and I didn't really see that encapsulated much in the blogosphere so I thought I had something to say and I also write about other TV shows too so and then that led me to write for Legion of Leia and then uh, Screen Prism noticed my X-Files recaps this year and Trek movie and so it's been a really cool journey this year being on not only two panels in Vegas but three panels here and and two panels in Cherry Hill so that was really great. I definitely came in a little different than everybody else. Um, I'm, I'm actually joking. My mom uh, watched the original series when she was a kid and um, when I finally got an opportunity when I was younger um, to start watching TV, I started watching the original series, which was in reruns at the time. And as I got older, um, it was pretty cool. So first of all, it's pretty cool to see someone who looked like you on screen, um, which was a big thing about Nichelle Nichols and why my mom actually liked the show is because she was able to be like, her parents were like, we don't understand this at all, but go ahead and watch it. Similar to your dad was like, I'm not really into this. Um, but then I got into the next generation and me and my mom actually had this as the thing that we did. Um, thanks to AOL chat rooms though, unfortunately, I got into a little bit more of the nerd than my mom did, spending hours upon hours, uh, theoretically upon starships or people around the country and I know a lot of people don't talk about the RPG and AOL chat rooms and Star Trek but it was real and it was amazing and so I did that through high school and as I've gotten older I've started writing for Black Girl Nerds uh, I was originally a writer uh, about a lot of Doctor Who stuff but really as I got back into my, my fandom and, and rediscovered a lot of the Star Trek amazing Star Trek that had happened in between law school and real life I realized how cutting edge and in the front of diversity and inclusion Star Trek was and so I started doing analysis of representation particularly women and particularly women of color and sci-fi and it always pointed back to Nichelle Nichols it always pointed back to that moment that she didn't quit and so Star Trek like really holds uh, a big thing it was also the first time you know a lot of us saw women doctors and a lot of times you saw a woman get sassy or hold a gun and so it was just this really amazing um idea of not just a great show, not just awesome storylines, but what the future could actually look like. I think all of you brought in really good perspectives about how you individually kind of came in through your parents or kind of found it on, uh, on your own. You guys are watching as a family, but then, you know, you kind of built upon that. You kind of, you know, that established the baseline, but then you built upon it in your own individual ways. And I think that is a really great perspective. That's how I came into the fandom too. I watched Next Generation and that's how that was my entry point. I discovered everything else through that, the original series, original movies, all the other spin-offs was through that. But then on top of that, was able to build upon it because I, I also realized the same thing. I didn't necessarily see myself represented and then when it was represented, the few times that it was is what I is what I gleaned 
uh, I gleaned so much from that and I you know grabbed onto it but then I realized like how come there isn't more of it how come there isn't there isn't more of that perspective that although we're in the future this is humanity in the future that representation it's good when it's there but it can be better I think Star Trek opened the door I think it still needs to do better and still kind of continue on the path that it forged back in the 60s so I think everyone else here reach the same perspective too is they realize like oh I can analyze this through my lens whether it's looking at female representation women representation people of color the intersection of women of color that intersection is important so um, I think my next question to, to all of you is how do you see fandom kind of evolving? Have you do you think it's evolving with you? The fact that you you yourselves have evolved in your own personal fandoms. Do you think fandom has also evolved with you? Are there areas in which it can grow even further? Or areas in which it can do better? Fandom is interesting because it is really it, it is more than anything a a two way conversation, and before you had the ability to see ourselves. Um, on TV, a lot of us also didn't have the ability to come to conferences. We didn't know they existed. They weren't really geared around us. Um, And honestly, even today, in the exhibit hall, like I kept walking around going, I keep seeing these pictures of Bones and Kirk and Spock together. This is awesome. Are there any pictures? Like all the captains were in one picture. And I was like, okay, so where is there a picture of all the amazing women? who have been on Star Trek. And there's one. I literally found one, and I didn't even want to ask the price of it because it was signed, and I just slowly walked away. And But you could get all these shirts of all these different other generally white male dudes. You know, every once in a while you get Cisco, he'll pop up, and you'll get... Jordy every once in a while but at the end of the day like I really still feel like although I see a crap ton of women like I do honestly see a lot of women here not a lot of women of color but more than I'm used to but I think we have a little bit of a way for the voice to hit those folks who are centering these conferences and I am totally down for all the work Amy has done and all the work women at war like that's that's the type of work that has to happen for people to actually listen because who would have thought feminism in Star Trek like we would have but does it really done like how is Star Trek feminist is like what a couple of my friends who are huge nerds would say but you'll see fan bros but you'll you know you'll see all the rest of these guys out here having a, you know analyzing everything but that perspective of having the women characters so we've we've moved in a direction it's a good direction we have a lot of work to do Angelique is so right about the work that has to be done. Um, just going to convention organizers and saying, you know, for with Vegas, um, we had been doing the Women in Trek panel there. It had been on the secondary stage. I joined it about four years ago. It was not very well attended. It was usually scheduled in the morning, you know, when a lot of people were still, like, getting breakfast, getting ready to go to the con for the day. You know, obviously, we'd talk it up to all our friends, and we'd have them attend. But this year, it was on the main stage. We had a packed house. We had 6,000 people attending this panel, and people being like, why hasn't this programming been on the main stage? I had so many women coming up to me, women of color, you know, LGBT women, saying... 
you know, this was amazing. This was so great that we had all your perspectives up there, that we had B. Jo Trimble join us. You know, we all wouldn't be here if it weren't for her letter writing campaign and came over joining us as well. I mean, I'd love to say that B. Jo Trimble and my, the four, the four ladies, myself and my three, the three of us, um, were the ones who would have brought all those people to the place. But let's put, let's be honest, Kay Mulgrew helped bring all those people to the place. And to sit down and, and watch us and, you know, by, by her saying yes to something like that really um, legitimizes us for the for the organizers. You know, when they saw the overwhelming response on Twitter, you know, on Instagram, and everybody using the hashtag, that was, I think, a really big wake-up call for them. And it was a long time before we could even call ourselves women in Star Trek. We were Trek girls until this year. That's what we were. We were, you know, Mary Serwinski, um, and she does glue guns and phasers, and she's um, done uh, DVD geeks and then other things. And, you know, she was, it was Mary Serwinski and her Trek girls, and we were just like, we need to fight for that to be women. And the fact that we had to fight for that to be women was something that we were all a little bit like, now we must roll our eyes. <laughs> but, but it happens, you know, it, it, it got done, and, and it's because there's a lot of pushing behind the scenes. You know, there's a lot of pushing, to, and I know um, John Van Sitters at CBS has been a great feminist ally for us, and he is very interested in telling the feminist side of the Star Trek fandom, and that can only be an asset because he works with CBS, and they, they drive the Star Trek merchandising, and they drive the Star Trek fandom. And yeah, we want to do a lot more with the programming. We want to diversify the programming. We want to offer, to, I think the panel t uh, tomorrow on LGBT fans is the first of its kind. Just at a Star Trek convention, just about LGBT fans, first convention, first panel of its kind. It's, it's, um, it's a challenge, and sometimes I get frustrated dealing with some of the convention companies, and I have to say Reed Pop has been really great. You know, um, Matt Wazowski, who works for Reed Pop, he really heard my thoughts on the situation. I said, you know, can we put the word feminist in our panel? And he goes, go right ahead. And I said, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> we weren't really, like, you know, the, the, the two gentlemen who run creation weren't really into that. You know, they weren't really into having the word feminist there because there's so many fans that are of the typical stereotype. White, middle-aged dudes now. They used to be, like, young white guys. Now they're middle-aged white guys. <laughs> Um, who don't really find the word feminist appealing and don't want to attend something that is has that kind of programming. But also, I think a lot of these men are growing in their perspective. They have wives, they have girlfriends. You know, they're seeing how much their wives and girlfriends love Star Trek and what they can get from it. And when they see the programming on the schedule and it's like, why haven't you done this women's panel before? It's like, honey, I have been trying. <laughs> I, had a, I had a wonderful um, professor from, uh, I think she's at Temple University. Um, her name is Dr. Amy Friedman. I remember because I'm an Amy and she's an Amy and we're uniting. <laughs> but um, she talked to me for 45 minutes in Vegas. Um, her son is biracial. And she said, why aren't we seeing people if they're interviewing the stars that are, you know, people of color, women. She's like, you walked out on that stage and you were the first woman in four days to walk out on that stage to interview somebody. Everybody else, it's all, it's all just the other people, uh, the people who run creation. And, you know, sometimes they have like guys like Scott Mance, who's really nice, but you know, it's the same perspective. And that's, you know, it's, it's all about giving us that diversity that Star Trek already has built in, but now we need to see it reflected in convention programming.
All right, so I'm going to bring in some positives because I completely agree with everything that both of you have said. Um, but I want to show that how how much it, it has uh, has gotten better. So when again from my childhood, I am um, I when I went to the library and I found this book that was called The Making of Star Trek Inventions by Joan Winston, and. It was this really old book yep. that was about people who had a Star Trek invention before I was born, you know, so it was, I was like, whoa, and, you know, again, I was like 12 or 13 years old, but I was really, thought that was so cool that um, it had been around that long, that it was this big thing, and it was so exciting, and I read the book, and I was like, well, this is about me, <laughs> like, these people are so into Star Trek that they want to dress up, and that they want to bring it into everything that, that they do, and they want to talk about it, and they want to have all these um, parties and games and do all this stuff together. That's so interesting. Um, and it was, you know, it was still going on, but it, it was not the way that it was then. Like the creation conventions were different from the ones that were in this, in this book. And at this convention, two of the people who were in that book are on panels are, are talking about how they started the Star Trek fandom and the Star Trek convention because this the Star Trek convention started in New York. Um, and I was just so excited to see that they were finally, after all this time, getting some recognition for that because people didn't believe me. I was like, I read this book about how women started Star Trek conventions and they were like, no. And I was like, you know, like Comic-Con wouldn't exist without that. Like, let's give it up for these women, like, in their living room doing this, this thing. And, and they didn't believe me. They said, you know, you, yeah, sure, you're writing a book. That does, that's, doesn't mean anything. Um, but today, people are, are going up and saying, yeah, you know, thank you for doing this. Or the Joe Trimble. It's like, you know, it's so wonderful that they're finally getting some recognition. I mean, it's been so long, and it's not fair that it's taken that long. So now we need to, you know, get Amy and Angelique some recognition, too, for, for bringing in those perspectives. Um, I mean, I follow Black uh, Girl Nerds on, on Twitter, and I just, there's all, I, I learn things by, like, live-tweeting Game of Thrones. I learn things, you know? It's like, oh, my gosh, I never, I didn't have that perspective, because why would I? I'm a little white girl. Like, I can't have that perspective, and I'm so thankful that that's out there. You know, and I think that certainly social media and and podcasting, it's like finally those voices are being heard. And I'm, I, it's just, it's so important and we need more of that, not less. We don't, you know, the middle-aged white men need to give us more space <laughs> because that doesn't mean that they lose their space. They can have their space, but we need to have as much space for every single person who has a different perspective, especially in Star Trek, which is so much about different perspectives. I mean, Gene Roddenberry and then all the people who came after him wanted to bring, you know, show a place where everybody got to have a voice, everybody got to be seen on screen. And we need to create that off screen as well. That's a, all really good points y'all brought up, and I think it's really important to take stock of what 
we can improve on, but also areas in which things have improved, and it needs to be both. It needs to be, you need to have both those perspectives, because everything can't be relentlessly positive, saying, hey, you know, everything's so great, because that really doesn't allow a place for a conversation to say, hey, these are areas in which we need to improve, and you don't see it, because we don't have that perspective. And, you know, you all brought up earlier about the fact that tomorrow is going to be an LGBTQ plus panel. I think for the first time ever in Star Trek, which is really big, because Brian Fuller, who is a showrunner for Star Trek Discovery, has explicitly stated in uh, recent weeks that there is going to be a gay character, which is a long time coming. And Star Trek, an ostensibly progressive franchise, has yet to have an openly gay character. So it's important for that to happen. I think it's really good that that panel is is uh, featured so prominently here. But also, you know, the feminism women in Trek is going to be featured as well prominently, both in Vegas, also here in Mission, New York, is also really incredible. There's also another panel hosted by Black Tribbles called Star Trek Into Blackness, looking into the black diaspora within Star Trek Universe. You know, how would Cisco view the issue with Trayvon Martin? How he look the issue with Sandra Bland? How would Jordy or Hura deal with the Flint water crisis? Those are really poignant questions that was prominently featured right on the Mission New York website, which is a fantastic thing, the fact that the convention has been so supportive of just looking at issues through a social lens because that's Star Trek at its best is when it looked at issues through a social lens far beyond the stars, city, uh, city beyond the edge forever. All of those things are classic social commentary type Trek. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to in, in the new Star Trek series. So for those that have already had their panels, could you kind of give us a brief recap of, of the highlights of your panel and for panels that are upcoming, kind of what to look out for? All right, so uh, my panel with Amy and also Jonathan and Anastasia, and I'm not going to say their last name because I'm going to was last night, and um, I think it went really well. It was about literature and Star Trek and the intersection there, and, uh, you know, both references to literature within Star Trek and also theme-wise, you know, how the hero's journey and how that can be taken into Star Trek and seen through a different lens. What's great about it is that, you know, people came up to us afterwards and, you know, said, it's so nice to see Star Trek being taken seriously alongside these, you know, all the books that you learn in school or, in, or the very academic track. And that's a perspective that, you know, I, again, I first saw Star Trek on a college campus, and so it makes perfect sense to me from from when I first encountered Trek that, you know, it is academic, it is very thoughtful, it's very philosophical, as you said with um, Far Beyond the Stars and to the Edge of Forever, it's like part of, you know, the DNA of Star Trek is to have this social perspective and to bring it into, you know, big space adventure story, um, but have a really small part of, you know, this is a story that's not only valid in space and on this ship and in the future, 400 years from now, it's, we're talking about today as well, and and wouldn't you like to get here, and how how can we do that? So, you know, there's also something that's very, we talked about Shakespeare, we talked about Melville, we talked about everything from kids' literature to mysteries and crime dramas and all that sort of literary 
academic, theatrical, dramatic parts that are also a part of Star Trek. And I think that, you know, everybody at, a, at the convention wants to feel like it's serious. Like, you know, it's it's fun and it's and, and it's an adventure and it's we're wearing all these colors and everything, but it's also like there is that side of Star Trek that is really thoughtful. And it's wonderful to have that perspective available to people who really just want to get down into the nitty gritty you know why do Shakespeare why do Klingons love Shakespeare so much like why is that drawn to them as a culture and what can that tell us about human culture yeah, Annika brought up so many of the good points that we discussed yesterday. You know, everything from ancient lit and Beowulf and King Arthur, like all the way through detective noir and pulp. You know, and people say that as a genre, you know, sci-fi is not sci-fi is not nominated for Emmys. Sci-fi is not, you know, given its due. And I think so much of the the great television program. I mean, I watch a lot of TV. Let's be honest, <laughs> and so much great program with great storytelling is based in genre, genre fandom and, and, and genre um, literature. So, the, you know, they're drawing from that tradition. I mean, all that Isaac Asimov, all that came before. And in order to, you know, kind of legitimize it within the cultural canon. I mean, it's there's no there's no need to anymore. Like somebody said on stage yesterday, the Postmaster General was here issuing stamps, you know, Star Trek stamps. It's it's 50 years. It's a big deal. Nothing else has really endured the way Star Trek has endured. And it's like that for a reason. And, you know, talking today, our panel is going to be about, uh, like, our feminist fandom, like, how we approach Star Trek fandom, and why it's so important to us that it has that feminist component. You know, I'm going to be talking to Terry Farrell, Nana Visitor, and Marina Sirtis tomorrow, and they're going to, I want to keep it, like, I want to keep it to a celebration of what they've done and how they've influenced and inspired women. I mean, you know, I, I just went over to say hi to Marina yesterday and said, you know, you're on my panel tomorrow, and we're on Sunday. And she uh, she said, somebody just came up to me and said, I became a molecular biologist because of you guys. And she's like, I hear that all the time. And it's so, it's so incredible to me. She's like that we were like, you know, basically play acting. And we were, you know, we were, we were trying to be this, this you know, put, put forth a, a serious tone with some of these terms that none, some of us didn't understand. She's like the techno babble aspect of it. It's funny, you, you see people on stage and someone else might come up and ask them a technical question and they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and they don't know because they're just an actor and it's their job to make you believe that they know. And they're very good at it. And I think that being able to talk to them and say, you know, you've inspired a generation of women seeing professional, you know, Counselor Choi might have had some more of the more girly romantic storylines, but she was a professional woman sitting on that bridge. And she was often the only woman sitting on that bridge. Sometimes there somebody would come and go at the con, like next to where Wesley would sit, and then they would get exploded in a when the ship got hit and the con would explode and they were the red shirt. But it would occasionally be a woman. <laughs> but um it was really great to to see her on the bridge and to see myself you know, represented in that way. And to see Dr. Crusher, you know, being the the chief doctor on the Federation flagship. 
you know, and then to be able to see uh, women like Nana and, and Terry as, you know, the, by the end of the show, Kira was running that station, and she always had that capacity, you know, we, and nobody would ever question that. We knew she had that capacity, and Dax was the chief science officer. I mean, so many, and Janeway was a scientist before she became a commander, like that kind of thing, and it just keeps going and going, and the tradition is just so, so rich with that, and it's, the connecting with the fans at these panels is always a complete delight and that's why I keep doing it you know I, I feel like how I, I see I look at a schedule of a convention I see the schedule is lacking in the female perspective and I say I can do that I can bring that in and I can get I can get together you know women I know from from social media that I've met you know I've met everybody everybody here I've met online everybody on all my panels I've met online and being able to connect us in that way and bring these voices together is something that I'm really in, like driven to do inspired to do and I think we need to be heard. Other women need to hear this stuff. I don't even know what to say after all that. I'm sorry. It was really, <laughs> it was amazing. Because the funny thing is, Amy, you had to know that literally I was just thinking of Beverly Crusher. And like literally I'm going, who did I really grow up watching? Like, it's them. You, you, and you grew up and there was this thing that happened between the original series where you still had the misogyny. Like you had the jokes here and there, women or irrational type statements that I won't recall. Um, but then all of a sudden you had these two really strong women characters who knew what they were talking about. And I think that kind of gets into like the importance of having the feminist panel is that you still had the really amazing stuff that happened in the original series, but the next generation finally had these indispensable, brilliant, that the captain trusted characters that developed. They weren't just props. They didn't just pop up because they were an alien species that Kirk hadn't yet kissed. But the other thing that I think is really amazing is that it gave the ability, and this is what you're talking about, the intersection of being a person of color, is that Star Trek was actually kind of the first time we talked about multi-ethnic, and we talked about interspecies. Um, we're in a time, and we a lot of us know this famous fight with who was Ohura going to kiss? Was she kissing Kirk? Was she kissing Spock? Why was it more okay for her to kiss Spock? Then what she ki- like, why why did we get into this battle over her being oh suddenly it was not okay for Kirk to kiss because it was a black woman. He'd kiss green women, purple women, androids. I was about to say like I was just <laughs> but but what we saw is for the first time as well is that a TV show was actually reflecting what was going on, which gets back to my the point you made, was what was actually going on in the rest of the world. Like you had women now in the workforce. You had women of color now in the workforce having more managerial positions. And I think I'm really excited, uh, particularly with the idea of the rumor that I heard, um, is that we may have a woman of color in command. Like, like, I'm like, what? Really? This is awesome. You know, and it, it almost goes back to art reflects life. Because in, even in the presidential race right now, like if you just want to bring it back to real life, real life, 
I truly believe seeing women in command on TV and in our favorite shows and all these other places leads to the ability that we could potentially have a woman president. Like, people have to see it to believe it. You know, as many astronauts as we know that have been impacted by Star Trek, you have the marine biologists and you have the scientists and you have the doctors who that was the first time they saw opportunity outside of being told, well, you can't do that, you're a girl. So I think it's it's really cool and I'm really looking forward to our panel today going over all of that and how everybody got into this. Uh, and we're just adding to what you said about um, the presidential race. Um, Hillary invited Kate Mulgrew to the White House when Voyager was on the air. Um, she and Chelsea watched Voyager together and they said, this is a great strong woman. And Kate was terrified. You know, she says that a lot if you, if you ask her about it. And she says, you know, I don't know anything. She, they invited me to a symposium for female scientists. She's like, I just got up there and I like was I had like a, a little prepared speech that I was gonna say and you know everybody found me like thrilling and exciting and she's like I'm not actually innovating in any of these fields. You guys are the <laughs> thrilling, exciting people. You know, you guys are the ones that are gonna change our world. But the fact that Hillary recognized that and then invited her to be a guest. You know, it really in like Obama loves Star Trek. Yes. Justin Trudeau loves Star Trek. Like you see them like you know throwing up the Spock, like all the time. It's great. It's great, and it's. I think when we elected Obama, it was kind of more of a celebration of someone who's an intellectual being president. You know, seeing Star Trek. And, and, and loving Star Trek, part of that is the, the intellectual pursuits of Star Trek, which is, you know, the social issues. And, you know, people get all whiny about that. They say, oh, I just want action. Or, or you know, you see, you know, and that's what the, the new films, I feel, really went away from that. They didn't want to be introspective. They didn't really want to tackle the tough questions. They didn't want to, you know, talk about environmentalism or talk about, you know, feminism or talk about racism. They wanted to just have a fun sci-fi action movie. And they are fun sci-fi action movies. To me, they're not Star Trek, because that's what Star Trek is. You know, Star Trek deals with those tough questions, and I think it's, uh, you know, having people answer those tough questions is what propels us forward, and that's what the vision's all about. And when Angelique brought up the um, watching Troy and, and Crusher um, and having them be these amazing role models, and, and I just wanted to bring one thing, that when I saw Dr. Crusher, my, um, my mother died when I was 13. It was... Uh, during Star Trek Next Generation. And my mother was a nurse, um, and she was a redhead. And so I was like, Dr. Crusher can be like my, you know, mother figure now um, as I go forward. And now that I'm a mother myself, it's like, I'm so glad that I had the ability to look up to someone on screen who was a doctor, like had a, a real career, and also was in a command position, like she had the ability to take over that whole ship, and she did a couple times. And that's, you know, so much power in this, you know, caring doctor woman who is also a mother, a single mother at that. And having, you know, that's so much in one person. And even if she wasn't as fully developed as I wanted her to be, and even if we didn't get to see those dynamics as often as I would have liked, the fact that it existed at all, you know, even in Star Trek, she's still the only mother that we ever got to see. Like, Belana has her baby, and, and that's it. <laughs> we never see her acting as a mother. Then, you know, it's, it's I, what 
is amazing to me is then we also get to see Cisco as a single father in Deep Space Nine and have that experience as well. And I just think that those are like perspectives that get left out of science fiction all the time <laughs> um, because you're not supposed to have like families and and romance should be I'm I'm Captain Kirk and I'm going down on the planet and I'm gonna you know hook up with this hot alien chick and then I'm never gonna see her again. Um, but Star Trek gives us families and you know I consider Star Trek I say I think that all of the shows are really just about family you know found family and uh, even like the most recent movie that's what you know it, it boils down to is we're creating this family but then to also to see like literal families as well and I you know I think it was so great that in Next Generation there were kids and it was like it's a community it's not a military organization it's a community in space so those are all really great points. I'm really glad you guys brought all of that. I think that's why you were all selected as panelists, because you offer such unique, but also at the same time, relatable perspectives. So I think there's so many in the audience who I think haven't seen their perspective reflected the, the, that want to see it. So you have unique perspectives, but also they're not unique because so many share them, but they just don't hear it. And I think to your point, Amy, about how a lot of people say, you know, I only care about a good story. Can we not make it SJW this? Can we not make it politically correct? Can we not make it like this? To which I would say, we also care about good stories. The two are not mutually exclusive. Just because I want a person of color, a gay character, someone that looks like me, an Asian person, Asian American person, um, we can also tell really good stories too. And why is it that the future is still somehow overwhelmingly dominated by straight white men who are American. We're supposed to be a progressive future, right? So it should be much more multicultural, much more multi-ethnic, multi-species, right? So I understand why that perspective is important. And another point that was brought up too was about how culture is, in a lot of ways, a referendum on our society. And at its best, it should be a paving a way towards a better outlook, better future. And des you know, especially now with our uh, current world and current affairs, something like Star Trek, hopefully Star Trek Discovery is that, where it can say, hey, these are the problems that we face. They're actually very similar to the problems that we're facing right now as the audience, and hopefully this is the better way forward, because Star Trek has always been, at its best, optimistic. So I'm really glad all of y'all took the time to talk with me today, and if you guys could really tell the audience where they could find you on the internet or elsewhere in the world. You can find me on the interwebs at Angelique Roche on Twitter, and that's A-N G-E-L-I-Q-U-E R-O-C-H-E and at A underscore G-E-L-I-Q-U-E on Instagram and I write on Black Girl Nerds it's blackgirlnerds.com you can find all of my links at manicpixiedust.com and on Twitter I'm manicpixiedane and on Tumblr where I post my Voyager recaps and fashion projects is pixiedane.tumblr.com you can find me on Twitter at LightStar1013, that's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-A-R-1013. That is also my Instagram. You can go to my website as at shoesandstarships.com. And if you're on Legion of Leia, you'll probably see me writing around there. And um, Angelique invited me to be on a panel at the Brooklyn Historic Society on October 24th. So if you are a New Yorker and you're nearby, please come to the Brooklyn Historic Society and see a panel on nerd culture and, you know, how it 
it's mainstream now, but it wasn't always the case, and where we've been and where we are going. Well, thank you, Amy, Annika, and Angelique, and this is Will Wynn, and this is Women at Warp reporting live at Mission New York, so hope you enjoyed our special report. Huge thanks go out to Will for coordinating that chat, and to Angelique, Annika, and Amy for sharing their thoughts, and we'll have those links to their Twitter handles and websites in our show notes. Before I go, I'd like to remind you about the Women at Warp Patreon. We are completely listener-supported, and your support helps us bring you coverage from events such as this, promote the show, upgrade the website, provide transcriptions of our main episodes, and do a lot more. And we have a lot of plans. So if you'd like to become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash womenatwarp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash womenatwarp. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter at womenatwarp, on Facebook at facebook.com slash womenatwarp, by email at crew at womenatwarp.com, or by leaving a comment on our website at, wouldn't you know it, womenatwarp.com. Thanks so much for joining us.